Mutant City Horror. Welcome back. What up? What's going on, Matthew? Nothing much. How you doing? I'm all right. Got a few drinks in me. Feeling okay. A little loose. A little relaxed. I'm all right. Yeah. So were you. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, it's kind of cold. Uh, sounds like, you know, alcohol would be a good, uh, good way to warm you up inside. So, seen anything good since the last time we met? No. Uh, however, I, I, um, I, I happened to, I, I don't know why I had this sudden urge. I guess because I found them for free on YouTube. Uh, I was, I, I was rewatching, um, a couple return of the living dead sequels. Uh, one of them being part two, um, kind of did part of that, you know, before work. And then while I was waiting to uh, log in at work and stuff, I kind of continued it and finished it there. Um, and then like the other day, they had <laughs> those, uh, you remember those, uh, straight to TV, um, sequels that they did that were on like sci-fi or something like that. Uh, they did, uh, ne necropolis and mm, I never watched any of those rave to the grave. Well, and, uh, I watched Sid Haig was in that one, right? No, I don't think so. No, no he's in one of them. Uh, if, maybe rave to the grave because remember i i had only viewed both of these once and um so this will be my second viewing of necropolis uh still just as bad as it was before uh and and i don't recall whether or not he's in rave to the grave because obviously neither movie really made uh, a, enough of an impact for me to actually re recall a lot of the shit that happened, so it's one of those, you know. It, it kind of, you know, they they kind of went out the door with all the rules that we knew and stuff like that from the actual Return of the Living Dead franchise, you know, like stuff like uh, body shots and like headshots for some reason kill the zombies when they never did before, stuff like that, you know. <clears throat> I. <laughs> I also felt like, you know, the people who, who made these films, it, being that um, they, they must have been some kind of fan, fans of Return of the Living Dead, I would think. Uh, I just don't understand how they couldn't seem to get it right. Uh, you know, I mean, you have the Helms of Research right there in front of you. If you've forgotten any of the uh, source material or any of the details and stuff, you'd think, oh, I'd just look it up online at least. Just make sure I'm getting it right. But when you have, like, little things like that, you know, uh, like I said, with the zombies, and then at the same time, they didn't even name the chemical correctly. They called it Trioxin-5. I'd never understood why they did that. My it probably, it probably, it probably wasn't, a, it. It, it probably wasn't a mistake. It was probably intentional just to make it a little bit different. You know what I mean? Just like here, here's a different spin on an old movie. And just to make it more so like our own, we're going to change the name of the two, four, five trucks into trucks and five. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just, yeah. They tried. 
That's all I can say. They, they, they tried, didn't do a very good job succeeding. Well, it's like we talked about last week, right? You you won't knock a filmmaker for making something. No, not but at all. But that doesn't mean and, that it's you know well, praiseworthy. Yeah, yeah no, and well, and and not to mention too, if I had a big franchise like Return of the Living Dead, on you, you know, on the menu, uh, I I just I I feel like I'd put a little more effort into it. I'm not saying that any of the sequels were very not very uh what's the word i'm looking for well we're 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 any any bit as good as the original right they you can only try that's about it you know can't really but i i just feel like there should have been a little more of an effort there they just uh it it seemed like a very poor way to uh to to continue that series like it's just you know like Take every trope that you know in every horror movie and not throw it back in here. And you got the 30 year old people playing teenagers. And, and it's like uh, a very long dirt bike commercial. <laughs> that, that's that's all I, it's a bunch of dirt biking and a bunch of like, uh, like, like, like metal music that, that seemingly corresponds with it, you know. <laughs> Sounds like a Mountain well, Dew commercial. Yeah, yeah, it's what. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like I should have been like playing or uh, uh, drinking Mountain Dew while watching it. Yeah, but for sure. but how many times have we seen that trope of like somebody taking something that we love, especially a franchise, and just like running it into the ground? Look at Resident Evil. Name me one good Resident Evil movie. The first one, barely. Like, and even that one's got, like, I can pick out a few things where I'm like, hmm. Yes, but, I mean, I don't know. Like, if, if I were to to put them into, like, you know, which ones I like best, I I still only think the, the original one still holds up. It It does. Of all of them, yes, the first one always comes out on top. But, like... Even then, I feel like as a whole, with all the movies, including the one that came out a couple of years ago, which was like more in line with the actual first game. Yeah. Nobody got it right. And it's like, how do you not get it right when you have so much source material? And especially those for those uh, Mila Jovovich movies, man. I don't know. They, they, in my opinion, they, they butchered the shit out of that stuff, man. Oh yeah, yeah. But they, uh, I also feel like The Walking Dead took that turn too. So, I, it was funny. I was just talking about this with uh, with a buddy last night because he was asking me how far into The Walking Dead I ever got, and I told him once, like the second episode or the first episode after they introduced King Ezekiel, I was out, and I think it was the tiger that did it for me. But I think that like at that point in time. Not so much in that story or in that um, series, but just in time. I was frustrated with how commercialized the zombie genre had become. And I think it was because you and I come from a time where like that was like counterculture or subculture or underground or whatever you want to call it. So to me, I enjoyed it more because it was 
kind of like my thing. It was our thing. Like it was you. It was small circles that like you know ran in a zombie crowd, and then it came to the surface. And when my mom started wearing Walking Dead T-shirts, I was like, yeah, this I'm kind of over this whole thing. And we had things like World War Z, which I think was a good book, but a horrible movie. Um, I think I think it just I don't know, man. I think I think people have good intentions, and they just. They just don't execute very well. So I appreciate the yeah. effort, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, there was a there was a there was a time where uh, zombie movies were kind of dried up, and they or they, they just uh, they didn't do them for a while, right? We didn't we didn't see them in in quite a bit uh, of time. I like if I'm remembering back, like I want to say it was 28 days later that kind of brought them back out in theaters and stuff like that i i don't actually remember a time before that where we were you know talking about new zombie films and stuff for some time like you know uh it, they just kind of gave it a break and um which i think kind of added to like the boom of the zombie all over again i mean think of how many zombie movies came out after that one so 28 days later came out in 2002 Correct. When did The Walking Dead? I started in 2010. Yeah, and so so in that I, amount of time, we have about eight years of zombies just kind of flooding our televisions. I am of the opinion that it was The Walking Dead that reignited the genre. So there might have been an influx of movies, in my opinion, between 2002 and 2010. There might have been an influx of movies. Um, but I, I don't really think that it was until 2010 uh, after The Walking Dead had come out and seen so much commercial success where everyone was like, oh, let's fucking let's jump on the hype train. Zombies are hot right now. Let's do it. And then we saw a bunch of movies and just crap. I mean, there's some good gems in there like um, what's the one um, Milo? I love Milo. That's kind of a softer you know, zombie movie, not your typical shit, but uh, still good nonetheless. Um, Shaun of the Dead obviously was good. Um, but yeah, 28 days late, 20 days late, 28, ugh, there's the rum. <laughs> 28 days later is probably mm. still one of my favorites to this day. All right. All right. So. You watch a couple not so good zombie movies. Yeah, rewatched, you know, kind of revisited. Um, just one of those, you know, happened to be there. You know, it was good background noise or whatever. So I saw on Friday the 13th, I watched a movie called Sick that uh, debuted on Peacock. Sorry, so many fucking streaming services now. It's hard to keep in, uh, kind of hard to keep track. So yeah. Peacock, NBC's platform, put out a movie called Sick. And um, have you heard of it? Seen the trailer at all? You're familiar? Uh, not not so much. No, it sounds kind of familiar, but I don't know from where. So the premise is um, it's April 2020. So right at the height of the pandemic and people are sent home to go quarantine uh, so these two girls um, go to uh, a cabin up in the woods that one of the girls' dads own, 
and they're just going to quarantine for a little while, and just the two of them. Um, but there's this killer running loose. So there's like this opening scene of this guy at the grocery store being stalked. He ends up getting killed in his apartment. And then we cut to the girls. They go to this cabin and um, they're quarantining for like a day or two. And then like the killers show up there and it's straight up slasher movie. Um, I have done zero research on it, but I want to say that the same guy that kind of created the scream movies also did this one. So it's got that like, you know, big knife run around the house type slasher feel to it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good popcorn movie. Uh, me and Perla and the kids sat down and watched it and it was enjoyable. Like I, I wasn't mad at it. Then right. on Sunday, I watched the last of us on HBO max. Dude, I've been waiting for that show to come out. It's so fucking good. Did you watch it? Uh, no, I don't have HBO Max, but I will eventually. Oh, man. I got to get you some credentials or something, but uh, it was fucking good, man. It was really good. Um, Some housekeeping. So still working on getting some people to guest spot on our show, talking with a few people. That stuff is still in the works. Hopefully it pans out. Um. We are still scheduled to sit in Dads from the Crypt podcast in March. I think we're doing that on the 5th. We're recording on the 5th. So that'll be cool. Um, also, I'll be attending CreepyCon in February, uh, which is only like two weeks away, dude. It's like right around the corner, which I'm super stoked about because um, most of the cast from Terrifier 2 is going to be there, including the director and uh, you know Art the Clown himself. So that's going to be dope. Hopefully I get um, some autographs. I don't know that I'm going to do any picture ops because it's kind of expensive, but um, at least get an autograph or get something signed or something. I don't know. And then um, I don't know if you saw the lineup for Monster Palooza, but fucking Robert England's going to be there in June in Pasadena. So I'm definitely going to that, man. There's no way I'm missing Freddy Krueger and not getting his autograph. All right. So what are we doing here today? Today, uh, we, we're going to be talking about um, a movie I, I don't want to say is forgotten, just never experienced by a lot of people. Wait, <laughs> you can't forget something we, if you didn't know it existed. <laughs> and, you know, like, and, and here's the thing is I, I knew about this for quite, for quite some time, even before it was out. It's just that. I, I I was uh, well. I have an uncle who subscribes to Fangoria magazine. So when he's done reading them, uh, he just passes them off to me, and then I go reading through them, learn about new things here and there. And I remember that one. I remember that I had an article about three or four pages long, um, and I was thoroughly sucked into the, uh, um, well, to the article itself. And seemingly with the imagery, I was like, okay, this looks like a pretty decent movie. Now, I didn't run out and check it out first chance I got. I, I think I remember stumbling across it. I don't know whether it was on video on demand or, or what the case was. Um, actually, I want to say it was probably on Netflix or something at the time. And I ran across it and I was like, oh, that's that one. Uh, we're covering a movie... Uh, 
made by uh, Jennifer Lynch. I, I don't know her association, but uh, uh, I know she's in the David Lynch family. She's she's his I, daughter. Are you sure? Um, yeah, I'm positive. You didn't do any research? Uh, well, no. For some reason, I had it in mind that I thought for some reason it was like his niece or something like that. I didn't really think it was directly like, you know, direct bloodline. Um, yeah, so a movie directed by Jennifer Lynch, I believe her name is. Yep. Uh, a movie called Surveillance. Um, where to start? What year did it come out? Uh, early 2000s, right? Uh, no, I think it came out, uh, well, I guess, but I think it came out in 2008. Yeah, 2008. Rated R. Yeah, okay. So uh, nearly early 2000s. Yeah. Well, within the first decade. So, um, why? How about this? Since uh, since you're kind of new to this movie, right? You, this was this your first time watching it? Uh, yes, okay. I had not heard of it uh, nor seen it. Do you want to give us uh, <laughs> a description of the film, or do you want me to do it? No, I'll do it. Yeah, man. Um, All right. So. Um, the movie, okay. So the movie's about, um, this small town that's got two killers out on the loose. And then we come across, um, this, you know, police agency in which, um, you know, again, small town, uh, man, I'm really bad at this. <laughs> um, so two killers on the loose in this small town, um, police are kind of on high alert. And what we do is we come across an instance of, um, a police officer who's been in some kind of engagement with um, some people who are all, they're all, they're all kind of beat up and, and shooken. And it turns out that they all had an encounter with the killers. And, you know, the movie is just kind of a recount of everything that had happened in that encounter told from the uh, three different perspectives, one from one of the officers who survived the encounter, one from um, an older, uh, I won't call her an older woman, uh, more of like a young lady, probably uh, mid you know, to late 20s. And then that from um, the perspective of a little girl uh, who was also involved in the encounter, just kind of um, the three different groups um, that were exposed to this thing, all kind of telling their own story and, um, you know, the movie's kind of based on like a whodunit, you know, like trying to figure out what happened. And, um, it turns out there's some plots, uh, twists and turns in the end. And, um, we find out, you know, who the killers are and, um, yeah, it's a kind of a bit of a, a darker tone to it. It's, um, it's kind of gritty, I would say. Um, but it was good. It's not your typical, like, slasher monster horror movie it was i think even when you like threw it out to me and i looked it up i even questioned it, it was like are you sure like is this the one because it was coming up imdb tags it as like a crime drama mystery movie and i was like uh i'm not sure if this is the one or not and you're like dude fuck labels and i was like <laughs> i i'm not saying like i'm not against that but i just want to make sure that this is the one because it just didn't show up in like the horror category but like definitely i would put it in the horror category because it's just like the whole like everything that happens and the way that it's um can the way they use um different kinds of like um filming not filters but like i don't know you, you can notice that like um 
like when the cops are telling their story, their video take is like uh, more sepia toned. I think I saw an article on this too. And then like when the kid's telling her story, like her, her flashbacks are like more sharp. And then when um, the old, when the, the chick, the drug, the druggy chick, which we'll get into in a minute, hers is a little different. So like, I don't know, it's just this weird concoction of like, different stories and then it just ends with like you know some some plot twists and it, it was really fucking good i enjoyed it good good I, and, and you know i'm really glad you got to see what exactly what i was talking about you know about the whole mislabeling thing um because on the surface yes i'd say myself it it, it, it i wouldn't say crime drama i would say more like crime thriller but um but yeah like as you said horror was nowhere on the label um and now you can see my argument whether it, it does fall into the horror category and stuff i mean it it definitely had it i mean it even started out on a very strong like horror tone right like it was just like you know already in your face like oh uh, yeah yeah 100 percent. they have brutalities from the get-go um uh, we'll, we'll, we start out with the, uh, well, the, the couple and, well, uh, the, uh, before we get into our walkthrough, let me just kind of, um, okay. do the needful here. So as you mentioned, um, directed by Jennifer Lynch, daughter of John Lynch, I'm sorry, David Lynch drunk, um, released in 2008, um, was shot for a budget of $3.5 million dollars. And so I would, I would argue low budget based on the time it was released. Right. Yes. I, I believe uh, anything within, uh, I mean, anything within like one to $5 million is probably going to be considered low budget. Well, again, for the time you shoot something from one to 1. 1.5 in like 1980, you know, that's relatively high. You know, no, for the caliper like one, of film. One to five million, not like one. Oh, one gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, either way. Okay. So uh, it was an estimated budget of $3.5 Guess how much it made opening weekend. Oh, this is going to be so fun. This is going to be so fun. I already know that the movie probably hasn't even made back half of what it was what was put into it. Like in, I'm, its, I'm, like in its lifetime? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go as far as to say that. Oh, hopefully it picked up a fan following that I don't uh, I'm completely unaware of. Okay. Um I'm going to say opening opening weekend. Now, ho- hold on. It released this is the opening weekend in US and Canada because it released July 31st in 2008 in Germany, but then when it released in the United States and Canada, this is the amount that it made opening weekend. So guess that number. And again, remember the budget was three point five million for this thing. <laughs> this might seem like a bit of a stretch, but I'm gonna go with five thousand. Dude, four thousand five hundred and ninety dollars. You no were shit. close. <laughs> wow. Now the movie grosses in U.S. and Canada um, twenty seven thousand three hundred and forty nine dollars, and its worldwide gross was one 
one million one hundred thirty-eight thousand and some change. Not a good return on investment here, and I'm curious to know how much of that went to um, the acting, uh, because we had some really good names in this movie. Uh, I was super stoked uh, when the credits in the beginning was like, hey, who's in this movie? I was like, really? That person? That's awesome. Um, so um, Julia Ormond, I'm not familiar with her, but um, she plays one of the main characters, Elizabeth yes. Anderson. She's, uh, she's actually a very famed actress. She's been on a lot of movies. Uh, ones that we weren't normally watching and stuff, but I, I actually remember her most from that movie Legends of the Fall. She in Legend she was, of the Fall? Yeah, she was the she was the the brother's girlfriend that fucked all the brothers eventually. Mm. Okay. The, the main one. Yeah, I'm looking the through her page here. Not a lot that I recognize. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Familiar with it, never seen it. She did three episodes of Nurse Jackie, uh, seven episodes of Law and Order, but who's never done Law and Order? Uh, she right. did five episodes <laughs> of Mad Men. Um, she was in that movie, um, Marilyn, uh, my week with Marilyn, at least that's what she's known for. I don't see a IMDb credit for it. Um, she was in Inland Empire, which I believe is a David Lynch movie. Yeah. So yeah. Legends of the fall. There you go. Good. Kudos to you, man. Yeah, and, well, it nothing... bugged me when I saw her. I was like, God damn, yeah. I know who the fuck that is. I can't. <laughs> and she's a lot older, but I couldn't remember exactly, you know, where, I, which, uh, you know, even by the little I've seen her in, like, uh, I, I already knew she was a good actress. She was, she, she was always good at what, whatever she touched. I, I, I want to take it back. There was a, there was a movie that she did that was like, had some kind of, um, controversial meaning. It was like some religious movie and stuff. I want to say she. She gave birth out of wedlock in some some kind of uh, I don't know some kind of holy commune somewhere back in the early days, and um, her her son uh, or her baby labeled her an absolute whore, and some some I guess the movie ended with um, like all the all the townsmen just uh, fucking. Just tag teaming her in the end, basically. Mm. They're just uh, they're I wouldn't even know what movie. Go that in to get in so there and rape her. So, and they even have a, a little little tally marks showing how many men have gotten to her already and stuff. And pretty much uh, she ends up dying like that. But uh, yeah, I just learned about that. That was something that I didn't really look into. I didn't watch, but I I, I knew something about that. But yeah, all right. Uh, she's got, she's come a long way. So like you said, Julia Orman. Uh, you said uh, Agent Elizabeth, right? Yeah. Um, then her partner, uh, Bill Pullman. I mean, who doesn't know the president from um, Independence Day, the dad from Casper, like just in a ton of shit, you know? So it was nice to see him Absolutely. in something um, of this style because I think it's kind of not in his wheelhouse. At least I've never seen him in anything like this. Ooh, I'm going to argue with you there. Not argue. I'm going to debate you there because I think – I think you're wrong about that. I think well, hold on. Uh, I said I haven't seen him in anything like this before. Not that he hasn't done oh, it. All right. Well, the reason why I bring it up is because I well, because when when we when we see Bill Pullman, most of the time we think of like Spaceballs, right? He was Lone Star. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> and will never be forgotten at that role by far. And we just know that as as a comedy slapstick uh, parody kind of comedy and stuff like that. A million you know, space it's bucks. The bill. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't come until like later, I want to say like the early to mid to probably the end of the 90s. Um, he was doing a lot of uh, these psychodramas, crime dramas, thrillers, stuff like that. And I realized that's kind of like his central area. That's where he works with the most, or he does his, some of his best work. I just, uh, it's funny to see a guy that goes from, you know, a, a comedy such as Spaceballs to, you know, a guy that can actually pull off that very serious face and, and, and pull off the roles the way he does. And he's not a stranger to the to Lynch films, might I add. It's, because... it's, it's crazy that you bring it up in that way because I was thinking he's not a comedian, right? But it rem- but watching him in this role reminded me of um, Robin Williams in 24-Hour Photo. Just kind of not something I'm used to seeing him in. All right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and as, uh, as I was saying, though, uh, he's not not disfamiliar to the Lynch family. He he was also in that movie. I don't know if you remember it back in the days, Lost Highway. Oh, yeah. With Kiefer Lynch Sutherland, movie. right? No, I think you're thinking of the Twin Peaks movie. What was Kiefer Sutherland? What was Kiefer Mm. All right, wait, wait, which movie did I just say? It was it was Lost Highway. Lost right? Highway. It had Bill Pullman. It had Rosanna Arquette. Uh, it had James Caan. We just lost him. Oh yeah, um, you're right. Robert Blake, uh, Henry Rollins. Yeah, no. What's the one that I'm yeah. thinking of with the the Little Red Riding Hood one with Kiefer Sutherland? Oh, you're talking about highway. Okay, so I wasn't too far off. Like you could see how I can make that mistake. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essentially almost like the same kind of genre. So yeah, I I see where you're going with that. So I mean, we went full circle anyways. You said Keeper Sutherland. Yeah, you know, Keeper Sutherland was in, you know, uh, the Twin Peaks movie. Uh, But yeah, uh, back to Bill Pullman. Uh, Yeah, great actor, a well-celebrated actor, already a big name. So we got him, Julia Oramond. Look, part of the reason I chose this film is because I know that I know for a fact I was like, he's going to appreciate the cast. He's going to appreciate the cast. So, so, okay, so you got me a Bill Pullman, right? I'm like, all right, that's Mm -hmm. cool. I don't know Patricia Oramond, but okay, she's cool too. And then I'm watching the the opening credits, and then it says Michael Ironside. I'm like, dope. Who doesn't love Michael Ironside? Fucking love Michael Ironside. But then it also says Sherry O'Terry, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah, knows? See? First of all, who knows Sherry O'Terry um, outside of probably us? But then, like, I love her, man. She was so funny in SNL, and like. The Spartan skits with Will Ferrell were always my jam. I always love those things. I think she even played Barbara Walters too, um, which I just brought up with Perla because Barbara Walters just passed away. So I was like, showing, I was trying to show her a bunch of the SNL skits of her. Um, so yeah, Sherry O'Terry. And then um, there was one more name in the cast and I was like, get the fuck out of here. And that's a guy named Mac Miller. And I was like, the rapper? 
Mac Miller, who's like passed away, Blue Slide Park, and like, no, come on. So I look it up real quick. Not the same Mac Miller, but <laughs> so in this movie, Mac Miller is Johnny, the 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 drug guy who who drives the red. Um, I don't know what kind of car that was, but uh, yeah, the drug the druggy boyfriend uh, is Mac Miller, and it was not the rapper. So I was like, ah, oh well. But I still like the cast, so let's let's do it. Go for it. All right. Um, oh, we, we did forget one. We did forget one. French Stewart. Oh, how dare I forget French Stewart, man. That was another yeah. pleasant surprise, too. Cause yeah, okay. I just got done watching <laughs> that 70s show. I went through the entire season because um, I'm a huge fan of that show. So I've seen that series, like... This is probably my third or fourth time going through the entire series. But I watched it again um, because tomorrow Netflix is dropping that 90s show. And it takes place in the same house. Red and Kitty are still there. They're they're whatever. I won't get into that. But that show is coming out. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to refresh on that 70s show. So French Stewart is in an episode of that 70s show. So I had just seen him in something. And then here he was in this. But... I can't look at that dude and not think 30 rock from the sun. Yeah. Dude, yeah, no, that that's... show, I know Raymond loves it. That show is so fucking funny. Yeah. And, uh, also a very different tide form in this film. Uh, I, again, and yeah, and this film, yeah. It, it took these people out of their natural element. And yeah. Out of their comfort zones. Else. And I absolutely loved that about this film. And it's funny. It, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting that you say that because, you know, instantly I'm thinking these people are out of their element. It's out of their comfort zone, but this whole movie is uncomfortable. Nonetheless, like the whole, all those scenes where they're recalling what happened in that whole encounter on the side of the road. And it's like, you, you just what's happening with the officers. You're like, dude, it's cringeworthy, man. Like, kind of creepy like it is uncomfortable for me in a lot of spots but like that's how i knew it was good because it made me feel feelings you know as opposed to just like okay that happened and then it's over good i i I, i'm glad you felt it that way because that's exactly what what i was hoping for okay so let's get into it um so we start off in an unknown location there's two people sleeping together uh and automatically from the get-go they're being attacked by two killers um and uh it's brutal right it's already brutal it starts out brutal theme music's brutal it's just every, everything about it's just unsettling kind of like how you say it kind of crawls under the skin yeah you see this guy you see this you know person it's insinuated that it's a guy because of his stature but uh you know he, he's attacking this man and this woman who are like you know assuming asleep in bed and he's got this weird like paper mache mask on that like looks super fucking i'll say it's scary it looks scary it was it, the way that it was like pasted together and shit like it looked scary yeah it looked like kind of like a, a broken face pieced together kind of thing but kind of kind of what it looked like to yeah me. i don't know crumpled up face or some shit but yeah yeah ultimately very unsettling and where did it go from there um so you know they're um they're murdering the shit out of the husband right blood's flying everywhere mm-hmm. um you know it's super it's a super violent scene it it has that same kind of slow motionness to it that um the kill scenes and butcher baker did 
which I was like, at first I was like, is my TV buffering? Like what's happening? Because I was watching it on uh, Amazon Prime. So I was like, is my shit buffering or is it just, this is how it goes. And so no, it, that, that's how it went. Um, so they murder the shit out of this dude. And then the wife or the girlfriend or whoever she was, the female, she ends up like running out of the house. And then you, you see somewhere in the tussle that the dude in the paper mache mask also has an accomplice with him. And they end up like running out into the outside of the house. They get in a van or a car or something. And then they are like chasing the woman down the street. And it's insinuated that they catch her. It almost looked like they ran her over and then it like fades to black. And yep, from- that's how it went. And 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 uh, ultimately, just that little bit at the beginning, kind of, in itself, reminded me of that that uh, that home invasion movie. The uh, oh, what was it called? You know which one I'm talking about. I... Tyler, Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yep. The Strangers, right? Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen it, or if I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't remember Luke Wilson being in it. I just remember that that scene was reminiscent of that. It kind of kind of reminded me of that. It mm. went it went mm. it went straight into it. So already good start. Um I where where does it go from there? I, I want to say it, uh, it's so funny. I was just watching this like, you know, today before you hopped on. Um it then cuts to Bill Pullman and uh, what's her face? Julia Oramon. Yeah. Uh, driving uh, in a car. Right. And so we see that they're FBI agents. They're talking like they're FBI agents. They're talking about going to this police station, um, you know, to interview some people. And they're like trying to get their head straight. And it's funny because this is kind of like the first time where, you know, we're seeing Bill Pullman and he's got like, I couldn't help but notice, but he has like this smirk on his face sometimes. And yeah. it's a recurring theme throughout the movie. And there was a part of me, 50% of me was like, man, Bill Pullman's just not a good actor. Like he, he can't just like keep it together. And I'm being real judgmental about it up front because the cinematography is kind of weird so far. That that opening scene slow motion bit was kind of like choppy versus slow motion. Um, some of the dialogue is a little weird in the beginning. So I'm thinking like, okay, this is not going to be like a well-produced movie in that sense. And Bill Pullman can't keep it together or whatever. And it is what it is. So that's just kind of where I landed with it. Yeah, I, I, I liked that character about him. Anyway, like I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it seemed seemed out of character and stuff. I, I didn't get that. I think when I first watched it, I think what I got from how many times have you just, seen this movie before we did this though? Well, I, I, shit, I don't know. Maybe like five times since hmm. it's been out. Uh, I actually own it. It's on Vudu. I bought it as soon as it was on sale price. It, it's one of those movies I had to grab it anyways. Cause yeah. I, it's definitely up there with one of those those greats for me. Okay. Um, I, I what I got from his character, yeah, just like you said, kind of smirky, kind of, kind of want to get into his head. Was he thinking? Um, I, I think that was kind of neat. I think uh, both both agents. It seemed like it made me think 
like well automatically throughout throughout the, this this film you know they're kind of strange right they they it's not what you would expect um your typical fbi to to be acting like you well, think they're more emotionless and and what and whatnot but i i think uh i think it seemed right to me i think it seemed like like because it made me think well you know if you are investigating murders and stuff like that you're probably not going to be especially the the most grotesque and you know heinous crimes and stuff you're not going to be uh, a sharpened edge you know what i mean i i'm i'm sure there's a level of what you see and what you go through that kind of gets to you and changes you and makes you a little bit darker than normal people sure. And which, I think which that's what that was depicted. I think plays true for Julia Ormond's character, Agent Anderson, because I get the impression that she's got the better head on her shoulders than he does. But she's also talking right. about, you know, there there's three witnesses to this incident that they're going to interview at the police station. There's the officer, there's the druggy girl named uh, Bobby, who's played by an actor named Pell James, and then there's the little girl who's also played um, by an actor named Ryan Simpkins. Her name is Stephanie in the movie. So, um, oh, shit, what was the officer's name that they were interviewing? Was it Bennett? Officer Bennett? Yes. Which is interesting. It was the guy with the mustache, right? Yeah, so Officer Jack Bennett is the one that was involved in the incident. He's played by an actor named Kent Harper, who also co-wrote the movie with Jennifer Lynch. So, Hmm. Officer Bennett... Bobby and Stephanie are all going to be interviewed by this um, FBI team and agent Anderson. She starts expressing some concern about the fact that there's a little girl involved in this whole scenario. And Bill Pullman is character agent uh, Halloway is like, Hey, you know, you good, you know, remember they're witnesses. They're not, you know, anything other than, than that. Like, let's just stick to, you know, our work here. So you get the impression that like agent Anderson, has got some like you know some ske- some skeletons in the closet as it relates to like trauma and being a little girl and going yeah and seeing this shit so it kind of sets sets that up for like you know there's going to be kinda more makes to that. sense too like it would make you you would think that you know a person that might have some some past issues and stuff they themselves would would probably be involved in something that um that allows them to you know well look at agent Mulder from x files right is right you experience something so you so want to like, be part of it you want to see it from the other side right. and stuff so yeah you're looking I, for I answers made, and shit you know looking for all yeah already already an interesting pair already an interesting uh group of fbi agents i i really really liked um the the way that they sold the fbi on this one so um, they oh good oh go on So they make it to the police agency. They get out of the car. They go in. They're met by the police captain who is um, uh, Michael Ironside, plays Captain Billings. And we've met some of the other officers in the building as well. We also meet the um, administrative assistant for the office. Um, Her name was uh, Janet. Was it Janet? Damn, what the hell was her name? I want to say it was. Yeah, Janet. Yeah, played by an actor named Caroline Aaron. Um, And so we get the impression, you know, again, small town, rural, like, 
you know, everybody knows everybody. They're like the only cops of the place. Like there's no 911 switchboard. Like Janet, the administrative assistant is 911. So like, you know, when people call for the sheriff or, or the cops, they're like, they're asking for, you know, um, the officer, can I speak to, you know, well, tell Mike to come out, you know, instead of saying Captain Billings or it's just like that familiarity of that hometown, not having a lot of people. That's the vibe that I'm getting from this whole setup. And right. they come in and they're, you know, the police don't want to have to deal with the FBI and the FBI is kind of like understanding that the police are kind of like not wanting them there. So it's that whole like give and take. Animosity like, yeah. The yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Power struggle. Yeah. <laughs> but then like the cops, um, there's, uh, what were the other officers names? So there's, um, officer DeGrasso, who was like mm. a more like more on the aggressive side? I like him. He's yeah, he was funny. That guy's funny. Um, he's he's played he's by not afraid to say shit. yeah, he's played <laughs> by an actor named Gil Gale G I L L Gale G A Y L E, and then the other officer is Officer Wright, played by uh, Charlie Newmark. And that was the dorky guy, right? He the was like, who... he's the one who's all about it. So like, and it's funny too, because the way that they talk with each other, like the dynamic that Officer Wright and DeGrasso have with each other made me start feeling like super trooper vibes. And I'll just leave it okay. there for now because I'm going to bring that up yeah. later. But I started getting like super trooper vibes from them, but obviously with like a darker tone. Officer oh. Wright, he's all about what's happening, right? And Officer DeGrasso is too, but for two different reasons. DeGrasso is like, dude, fuck that. Here's what happened. In the encounter, we find out that French Stewart's character, uh, police officer, died in this whole thing. So DeGrasso is his partner. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Not DeGrasso. Um, fuck. Uh, Bennett. Bennett is his partner. Bennett mm. saw his partner die, right? He saw French Stewart die. And then, you know, he's going to be interviewed by the FBI. So DeGrasso is like, man, we should have fucking been there. And this is bullshit. And fuck these FBI. We need to settle this, like, at home, you know? And Officer Wright's like, dude, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to this town. I can't wait to meet the FBI. Like, I can't believe, like, this is happening to us. Like, he's almost like he's, starstruck. He's got that teacher's pet kind of vibe. Like, he's just, like, ready and willing, kind of like a lap dog. Right? I think he's just more excited at the fact that, like, something exciting is happening in this small town where nothing exciting happens. Yeah, probably. Probably has something, a big part of that. Yeah. So FBI shows up and they're, you know, it's a dick measuring contest, right? Between the two agencies and um, agent Anderson pulls rank and she's like, you know what? We're here. We're going to do what we're going to do. So fucking deal with it. By the way, I got some equipment in my car. Why don't you guys go get that shit and come set it up? And it turns out, you know, they're going to be interviewing each of the three uh, witnesses from the encounter. And they're a little upset that like, you know, they were all kept together in the same room because Normally you keep them separated. So like nobody has a chance to corroborate stories and shit and get their stories right. But that's not what happened here. So they go and get the equipment. They bring it out. Um, Anderson ends up going into the room where all the witnesses are. And, you know, she doesn't give a shit about the drug girl or the cop. But like she's talking with the little girl a lot, using her first name, get, you know, getting down to her level, like bonding, trying to create that relationship with her. And then um, Bill Pullman 
uh, Agent Halloway is like trying to get the surveillance shit all set up. Cameras in three different rooms. He's going to be monitoring the interviews from that room. Um, the captain's going to interview the cop. Uh, Agent Anderson is going to interview the little girl. And then um, officers DeGrasso and uh, Wright are going to interview Billy, the, the druggie. And so it's funny because when you see the two split, when you see um, Bill Pullman, when you see um, Agent Halloway and Agent Anderson split up, that's where you start to get a little bit of like an inclination of like something might not be right here because Anderson is like she's she's got her head on her shoulders. So she's asking questions. She's talking to the officers. You know, she's pulling rank. Bill Pullman is like unsure of himself. He's being cautious about what he's saying, how he's saying it. He's got the smirk on his face. And when he's left alone, like you can tell he's nervous about being on his own, talking and interacting with the officers and with the administrative assistant and shit like that, which I thought was interesting. I was like, why, why is he like that? I don't know. Again, see, I thought that was just stemming from his like strange, just his his overall strangeness as a character. I, like that's yeah. indicative of the character. Yeah, yeah. Like like his his character role just seems to be off. I I, I, I don't know. That's that's what I gathered from it. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Scared. I I got more like. I mean, the more antisocial one, if you will. You don't see this guy having a conversation with a bunch of bald, uh, bald, uh, buddies at like a bowling, you know, tournament or yeah, something. Yeah, he's like more that. of like he's... an introvert. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's sense. what made their dynamic so well put off. You got, you got the one that's willing to ask questions and talk, you got the other one that's uh, willing to listen. And I think that's, that's, that's his standpoint. Yeah. He just wants to hear what's happening like he's not coming up with the questions he just wants to hear the story right so as they're getting all the rooms set up he goes into one of them and he notices that there's pictures from a crime scene of the murderers like all on the wall and again you can see him looking at him kind of smirking but then he gets pissed off and he tells the captain hey these shouldn't be on the wall like let's take this shit down so they take all that stuff down Everybody gets settled into their rooms and then the interviews start. And yeah, I don't, I couldn't tell if like he was watching all three of them and then instructing if each one of them to tell their story at a time, like, okay, room one, you go first. Okay. Stop room two. Now you go stop. Now room three, you go stop. Start again at room one. Or if they I, were I think, all talking at the same time and he was just like listening in on each and every one of them. Yeah, I think they were simultaneous because basically he was the one asking the questions over the intercom. So his questions were already set out there. But they all have their own interviewers that are pretty much uh, noting down what their what their what uh, their yeah. answer to the questions are. I didn't so pay, I think it's all at the same time. You I know, didn't, yeah, I didn't pay it too much mind because it was it was kind of cool the way that they were doing it. So I just right. I rode with it. So who starts first? That would be the the girl Bobby, right? No, uh, I think it was uh, Bennett, the officer Bennett, Jack Bennett, because okay, he starts yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. how Bennett started him and, and French Stewart. Him. 
were just yeah. on the side of the road, you know, just patrolling this area. But he's telling his version of the story and we're seeing what is actually happening and they're in contrast with each other, right? So like he's talking about how they were just, you know, patrolling this area like they normally do. It's a hotbed for speeders. And like in actuality, they're on the side of the road shooting beer bottles with their guns, like naming off famous serial killers. And I don't know if they're like, <laughs> I, I don't know yeah. what that whole scene was about, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I remember at the end of it, French Stewart was like, well, I'm still drunk. And I was like, OK, now I know what kind of cops we're dealing with. Awesome. I like it. <laughs> And then he goes, there's that scene where he goes to put the gun in the back of the trunk and they open the trunk and it's just like littered with all kinds of like non-standard, non-police issued weapons back there. It's just like, uh, you know, like a, like a little gun store in the back of this cop car. <laughs> yeah. So he goes on to talk about how, you know, this car, um, uh, this, this truck has sped by. It's this grocery delivery truck. They pull it over. They're like, as soon as they pull it over and they start talking to the dude, the dude's like throwing up on himself. He's scared. And they're, he's telling him like, he just got done delivering groceries at this place. And then like, um, you know, it was all shot up. It was horrible. You know, it was bloody. It was violent. So the cops, they, the scene cuts to the cops going over to that house. And then sure enough, that's the house where, the opening scene took place where the, the, the guy was murdered and then the girl became um, missing, I guess, because we don't know that they killed her or not. She's just missing. The, the one thing I missed though, and I meant to watch, I meant to catch it in the rewatch was how did they go from that to where the rest of the story picks up? Because I think it's just insinuated that they called it in and, People came to look at the house and, you know, um, they took a report or whatever. But then, like, those two cops end up back on the patrol scene. And that's where the rest of the movie takes place. So, I don't know. Well, nonetheless, it transitions. Yeah. And then uh, Bennett and, fuck, I don't know what French Stewart's name was. Oddly enough, he's not listed here in the credits on IMDb. It's so weird. I don't know, but I absolutely loved his character. So this is where I start to get more of the. Um, so so they're back in their spot and they see this blue car, a Taurus drive by and they shoot out the tire. Yeah, it's just some regular old target practice. We're bored. We're on the side of the highway. Let's just shoot out this car's tires and give them a bad day. That's where I was, that's where like the twisted super troopers feeling starts to come in a little bit more. Like they're just fucking around, but like, like a lot darker than like in super troopers, you know, like it's, it's not, I don't see how that would be funny for the person who got pulled over, but they do it. They shoot it out. They pull the, the car over. The guy gets out of the car and like French Stewart starts, you know, Talking to him like, hey, you know, you were, you know, my partner thinks you were speeding, but I know you weren't and blah, blah, blah. And like trying to play good cop. Right. And then he's like, but my partner, he's like, dude, he hates speeders. And like, you know, he's he's a little pissed off. And it was funny because when the partner um, got out of the car, uh, Officer Bennett, French Stewart was like, oh, here he comes. Act natural. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'd be busting up if a cop told me to act natural because his partner was coming. 
And he's with the, the the other cop like guy just approaches the dude to his uh, with a gun to his face, right? It was like way over. Shut the, the fuck top. up! I was like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, and then French Stewart is right standing there, like the... you you probably better shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, they end up telling. So while they're, this is happening, you know, ben, uh, Bennett is telling, you know, um, Captain Billings like. So they were speeding and they blew a tire because they were speeding. So we went to go see if they needed help. And, you know, we talked to them about their speeding. So we just let them off with a warning. But like so the, so you're getting the tone of what's happening here is that the story that the officer is painting is not exactly what happened. It's a little bit more twisted than that. So they leave mm-hmm. and then we cut to um, Billy. She's the drug, the druggie girl. And she's telling her story. Her and her boyfriend, played by Mac Miller, were going to a job interview. And, you know, they went to see. Or so she said. Right. They're they're like, well, she said, we went to this job interview. We had the interview. It didn't work out. I don't think we got, you know, we were going to get the job. What in actuality was happening was they showed up to some some drug dealer's house to pick up Coke. He ends up overdosing on like heroin and dies right there in front of him. So they rob him for everything. And. And they get out of there and then they're like doing coke in the car as they're speeding away. So, again, what she's saying is in contrast to what is actually happening. But who's going to admit to the cops that, you you know, left the scene? I remember that. Remember that cop that didn't like her? So he's all because when she was saying it was a job, he saw you mean they didn't hire you on the spot? She's like, oh, no, we weren't applying to be police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That shit made me, it still makes me laugh when I watch that shit. But also, too, I was thinking, like, what kind of dumbass cops don't ask, like, well, where was the place you were interviewing so we can call and verify, you know? They were just like, oh, okay, and just kept writing it down, like, fucking backwoods cops. So they're speeding down the highway, too. They're doing coke. They're hanging out. They're having a good time. Um, They stop. um, They stop to like take a piss and there's a family there at the park and it's i don't know if they introduced that family before or after that but no i think this would be the first time you see them because that's where we first see the little girl right um no i i want to say there was a scene before with them in the car so i think it cuts to step so i think she's telling her story and then stephanie the little girl starts telling her story to agent anderson and, you know, her stepdad took some days off work. They were traveling cross country, going somewhere for vacation. It was her, her older brother, her mom, who's played by Sherry O'Terry. And then the, the stepdad, who's played by uh, Hugh Dillon. Um, I don't remember him from anything either. He had a familiar face, but like nothing I can um, pinpoint he's in yellowstone right now as the sheriff but um i don't know that you know that's 20 like 15 16 17 years ago so he looks a lot of he looks a lot different now but anyways whatever so they're going you know they're traveling she's got like a little portable tv or like an ipad type or whatever that she's playing with and um so we're just now we've are comfortable with like what's happening. Three different perspectives, um, you know, one from the drug the druggies, one from the family, and one from the officers. And so now that we know all three, 
Then we cut to the druggies being, you know, pulling over at the park, going to take a piss. And then like they have some interaction with the family there. So we see some kind of bleeding into the story a little bit. Um, now, while all of this is being told, Bill Pullman is still in the room, you know, interacting with the administrative assistant, Janet. And like, you can tell, like, again, she's talking to him about a, official police stuff, but you still get the vibe. I still got the vibe that like Bill Pullman's acting like he doesn't know what he's doing or he's like winging it, which is weird for an FBI agent. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm still going to go with that. I, I think it was just part of his nature. I just, you know, he's I actually, you know, in, in that scene alone, I kind of got the hint that he was bothered that she was even there. Like he just wanted to be left alone. Yeah. Like she was kind of invading his space. Like, let me do my job here. Yeah. Like I just, I'm I want to focus on the task at hand. I don't, cause she's sitting there yapping his ear off. Right. Telling him about a bunch of crap that, you know, he doesn't, you know, care to hear whatever he's not going to be mean he's not going to throw her out or anything right but, yeah. but he's definitely got you know got some strange things going on and he's he's also not only is he looking at the monitors he's looking at all the crime scene photos and stuff the murders and stuff and that that interesting little slot too where he's he's changing the word evidence into the word violence oh I, yeah i, I thought that was I, I really cool. i liked that it was yeah. kind of cool i was like all right you know yeah this guy's on some other planet somewhere for sure yeah it was things like that that made you think like okay this guy's a little bit deeper than just what you see on the surface right so um we get to the point where we start to get a little bit of um you know mixture of all three perspectives coming into play so the station wagon that the stepdad is driving they're they're going across and every, you know everyone's having a good time um the cops are like doing their own thing the station wagon they're starting to like party in there right there's this song by the violent femmes that comes up um which is so funny because i was just listening to that album uh, not too long ago, but the song added up by the violent femmes came on. And so the mom and the stepdad like turn around to the kids and they're like, Oh, this is, this is rock and roll. This is music. And they're like, they crank it up. And, uh, you know, so you can't really hear what's happening in the car, but as they're driving, they pass this, the blue tourist that the cops had put, pulled over. And the little girl, Stephanie sees broken windows and blood all over the floor. So she like turns to the parents and is trying to talk to them about him, but they're like not paying attention because they're partying in the front seat. Then yeah. the the druggies are also kind of behind them um, and they're listening to the same radio station. So they turn it up and they're doing lines in the car. And it was so funny that uh, um, Bobby, the, the drug girl, she like was drinking a beer in the car and she was like, Hey, who am I? And then she like poured some beer in her mouth and then like, like kind of pretended to choke on it and like throw up on herself. And she was like yeah. spazzing out, <laughs> insinuating that she re-enacting, was the drug dealer. Re-enacting the OD from their <laughs> yeah. dealer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch the name of the, of the drug dealer? I've, oh, I forgot. I forgot what the name of the His drug name was Bucket. Was. They just kept calling. Yeah, that's right. Bucket. Bucket. I, was I was like, say, it was something strange. what is that short for? It's got to be short for like shit bucket or like bucket of shit. I don't know. It was, I, I was, I wanted to know more. So, um, 
you know, they're doing their thing and the family car is rocking out, the drug car is rocking out, and then the cops are on the side of the road patrolling. And as the station wagon passes by, they do it again. They shoot out the tire as a means of like going over to pull the people over. And um, the car, you know, skids out and it moves forward a lot. And they're taking the cops are taking their time about going over to the car. Well, at the same time, the roadster that the druggies are in, they're not paying attention. And they, they finally see that the car in front of them is stalled out and stopped. So they slam on the brakes and avoid hitting them. So then the cops pull up after them. So they got kind of two fish, you know, with the with one throw there. That's exactly what he said, right? He's all like, uh, got two birds with one stone. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So and now yeah, all of our characters. They're playing that good cop, bad cop thing. And that's what they do. They did that with the with the tourists that they pulled over, right? I, they they I, literally. I, know, I just, I love the way they approach it. Like, like he's all like, <laughs> he's all like, well, clearly. I'm good cop. <laughs> yeah, and then he was like, and then when he's getting out of the car, he's like, I look forward to working at, with you. Yeah, he sticks his head in the window. He's like, I look forward to working with you. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? I love, dude, I love this character. Fred Stewart is, yeah. Always He good. showed me on this movie that he definitely has an expansive acting Range. capability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love French Stewart. With, I don't think there's anything it, I've ever seen him in that I didn't like. Yeah. It, He's just oh man, definitely the darkest role I think I've seen him in. But yeah, <laughs> so they're sitting there behind both these cars, right? Kind of one after the other. And right. They're like, okay, they're devising a game plan again. Dark version of Super Troopers. What are we gonna do here? And so Bennett, uh, Officer Bennett, says, "You know what? I'm gonna take the station wagon." And French Stewart's like, "Okay, I'll take the duster." I think is what they called it. Yeah, and the so they both go to the car or to the cars and they're both making up these stories about how like, hey, you were, you know, they were both playing good cop. So they're like, hey, you know, you were speeding or whatever. And the, the, the dad's like, oh, I, I busted a tire. You know, I, I wasn't speeding. I'm sorry. And uh, the druggie is like, you know, just listening to, you know, French Stewart. And both cops are making up stories to the drivers about how the other one might, you know, I don't mind you speeding. I'm, I, you know, I grew up here, whatever. I don't give a shit. But like my partner, you know, he lost his wife, you know, to a car accident, you know. So Bennett's telling, you know, the, the station wagon, my partner's uh, wife died in, a, in an accident on this road. So he's real sensitive about it. And then like French Stewart's telling the, the roadster like, oh, my partner uh, his wife was, you know, a victim of a speeding collision or whatever, and they're just making up bullshit. Oh, meanwhile, that that one dude's sitting there trying not to crack up, right? Because they're fucking high. Right? Oh, they're, they're so they're high lying. out of their minds. And <laughs> like French Stewart's telling him, like, dude, my partner, like, he's so sad. Like, he had this family that he used to come home to dinners to, and now he just comes home to like TV dinners, and he starts to laugh. Like, both him and the girl start to laugh. And I was like, it's kind he of funny. Not to. It's like. It's well, kind of funny, but then he catches himself and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got to be sober. I got to be, you know, I got to be straight right here. So the cops end up taking both their wallets, not their IDs, but their wallets. And they go back to the car and they're like, OK, you know, what's in your car? And Bennett's like, dude, there's a hot little piece in the station wagon. She reminds me of like the skirt from Woodshop, which I meant. I, I don't know if they were talking about a girl or the. I don't know many too. I don't know too many female woodshop teachers, but 
And he was like, you should go check that out. And French Stewart was like, well, that car, they're both high out of their fucking minds. Um, he's like, you should probably search it. He's like, is there any money in it? He's like, nah, there's no money in it. But, you know, uh, just search it anyway. So now they switch cars. So French Stewart goes over to the station wagon and Officer Bennett goes over uh, to the roadster. And this is where they both play bad cop with the cars. Yeah. And this is where it gets really fucking cringy, right? Yeah. Do you remember what happens at the station wagon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you want me to? (laughs) Okay. Okay, cool. Good. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, French Stewart, what was his name? Uh, Bennett, right? No, Bennett is uh, Kent Harper. I don't know. Hold on, real quick. Uh, um, that's all right we'll, we'll go with french stewart french stewart goes conrad and he approaches conrad oh conrad okay yeah he looks like a conrad <laughs> um he he goes he goes to the station wagon uh just as his partner said you know he, yeah, he's, he was talking about the, the the wife looking like somebody they probably knew from high school or something like that he's like all right you know he goes up uh already in a very creepy way um the the man right he's outside the car it, it, is he already on the ground i can't remember so um french stewart tells french stewart him to get out into the car he sits he, he tells him to get out seat. like i think he opens the door and he's like get the fuck out of the car and he pulls him out and he lays him on the ground he's like don't fucking move like he puts his gun like on his ball sack while he's laying down he's like or on his ass and he's like dude if you move I'm going to blow you a new shitter. Yeah, that's right. And he's just laying on top of him, like not yet. Not yet. He lays him down first. He makes sure he's oh, no, on the he's, ground and then he gets into the car. He's sitting on him. He's sitting on, that's right. He's sitting on him upright. He's got the gun on his, on his asshole. Essentially. Right. So then he jumps into the station wagon, closes the door and sits in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, uh, I don't know. It starts asking the lady of the house, well, the, the lady, the, the mother, um, questions like, is he always like, is he always like this and stuff like that? <laughs> like some bizarre off the wall bullshit. But then uh, starts making her like, you know, uh, give him a kiss, uh, you know, like, a very uncomfortable situation. He he's like pulling this off in front of the kids in the back, right? You got yeah, the son, you got the, the daughter, like, and they're, they're both fuck. like, "What the fuck is going on?" So cringy. The the mom is terrified, and he, you know he's asking her to give him a kiss on the cheek, but right when she goes to do that, he's he just gives her the lips and he's making out with her, right? Yeah, he did that um, whole like switcheroo. He's like, "Give me a kiss on the cheek." And then as soon as she comes in, she he just lets like kiss her on the on the mouth. Yeah, like like yeah, if you were on your first date or something, and then when he gets done, he's all like, "All right." She's crying. Like, she's crying, she's crying, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, she's, she's like, crying." Cry. He's, he's like, like, "You're gonna be all right. Don't worry about it." He's like, "All right, about a beautiful day today or something like yeah. that." Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's like, "Wow." Yeah. He gets out. He's like, he "Wow, what a day." <laughs> yeah, what a day. Well, I mean, considering like, you know, they pulled over that blue Taurus and they fuck with those people. They were doing their shooting out in the fucking woods. And then like they went to the house that was all murder house. Like, yeah, it's it's been a day. I would agree. Yeah. Now, um, while, while all of that is happening, 
What's happening at the at the muscle car? Uh, let's see. I know, I know the other officer is scaring the fuck out of him. Yeah, so he pulled. He pulled. So Bennett pulled up on um, on Bobby, who's sitting in the passenger seat, and like he is, he's got a gun. He's got his gun in her face, and like he's like, he. You can tell he's gonna hit up on her, and he tells um, Johnny, the driver, he's like, look away. He's like, don't even look oh, at. He's like, don't even look at us. Right. And then he, he starts like smelling her hair, and he puts that gun in her face, and he's like. She's crying, right? She's bawling. She's so fucking scared. And this dude, you know, Johnny doesn't know what to do. And so the officer, like, has the gun in her face and is, like, like not even in her face. It's on her face. Like, it's it's in her, like, yeah, almost like on right her there. cheek. <laughs> and he's, like, tell him you don't love me. Or tell him you don't love him. And she's, like, I don't love you. And he's, like, tell, say it like you mean it. She's, like, I don't love you. And he's, like, again. So, like, you know, he's just, like, calling the shots in there. <laughs> fucking losing it, right? Dude, like, yeah, seriously. fuck? Like I was scared to see this happen. I was just like, "My God!" Yeah. <laughs> so they're are... they're fucking with them to the point where, like, you know, both cars are scared out of their fucking mind. They come back to the squad car, right? They let everybody get back in the car. Everyone's all shooken up. Like nobody knows what to do. The officers are chilling in the car, and the little girl gets out of the station wagon and runs over to the police car right. to tell them about what she saw in that blue car. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you must have been watching too many scary movies or whatever. And she's like, no, I'm not allowed to watch those. I know what blood looks she's like. All, I know, I know what, what I'm talking about. Like, she's like straight face. Like, no, you need to listen to me. So they, you know, they leave. The cops leave. Then both cars get out, right? And they're all talking with each other. And they're like, man, that was fucking crazy. And the stepdad's like, oh, I'm going to fucking sue him. And then Sherry O'Terry's like, yeah, you ain't going to do shit. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, she just wants to get going on with her vacation. So while they're talking about everything that went down, the officers go back the way they came. And they, they pass this white van as they're moving along. And then they pull up on the blue car. The same blue tourist. Well, that's that they actually over. what the, the the little girl had told them about too. She not only the blue car, but she had mentioned the white van. Oh, that's right. She said I saw two cars, a blue car and a white car. But she didn't call uh, it a van. She just said a car. No, she said a van. She was very because because it came later on that, that they identified the van that she was talking about. Well, no, because so because so, the van had passed them up. On the way Correct. to the blue car. Correct. So that, that would mean that that van was behind everyone else. Um, or maybe just going up and down the highway, which seemingly was, I guess. But the, the, the little girl had mentioned about the white van. And when they got to the blue car, they're all, well, there's the car she described, but there's no other car. Um, but yeah, they see there's a crime scene and that's when they recalled, we passed the white van on the way over here. That's what I'm saying. She didn't, she didn't say a blue car and a white van. She said there was two cars, a blue one and a white one. And so when they get to the blue car, they're like, okay, here's the blue car, but where's the white car? And they're like, I don't know. And they're looking at the, you know, everything that got, you know, they're like, fuck, we pulled these people over and you know what, you know, what is this? And they're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, what? And and then French Stewart's like, oh, 
we just passed a van just passed us and then Bennett's like a white van and they're like fuck that's got to be the car so they jump back in the car and they backtrack to go back to where the people were pulled over and this is this is where it gets kind of meaty right the stepdad is under the station wagon trying to fix the car um bobby and the mom are out having a beer on the side of the road um i think the the older brother is in the station wagon but stephanie is out kind of in the street just playing and shit and jack is was is that his name jack um johnny johnny the drug guy the drug boyfriend he's still sitting in the front seat he's all shooken up he's crying like a little bitch <laughs> and this white van comes speeding up the highway and the only person who sees it is Stephanie, the little girl. So she fucking starts running the other way to get out of the out of the way. She recognizes the van. Um, and then all of a sudden the van hits the the druggies car, which then hits the station wagon. Is that how no, it happened? No, opposite way. Uh, the van had passed them up, gone up and about the horizon. The little girl had noticed it when they had because they had turned around. The, the van had turned around and started headed towards their cars. That's right. And and it goes at full speed, runs right into the station wagon. And just, just like you said, that's where the meat of it starts coming out. This is where it just starts getting intense, right? Right. Like the, the, the smacks straight into the station wagon, running over the father's, uh, the stepdad's, uh, head dude it he's, uh, he was underneath there and, trying to change the tire right the blown out tire and the son and, was helping him because i remember when he gets crushed all that blood and guts like all of, up yeah his gets, dad's he, own blood he gets rained on all over him <laughs> right oh man um and it was at that moment where that 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 junkie guy the guy you're talking about uh he was I can't remember if he was halfway out of the car or whatever. The general impact pushed the station wagon back, hit his car, and somehow his throat got slashed, I think, by the glass of his own window or something mm. like that. He he was murdered on on the spot too. So the the father the father and the both drivers have been murdered from this incident. Yeah, just a sudden bloody mess just came straight out of nowhere. Um, and then the two officers came, right? They they came. They, they were, they, yeah, they, they were right coming up that. right behind. But at the same time, Bobby is like, so the van is like, like at a 45 degree angle sitting on top of the station wagon. And she's yeah, trying to get the. jumped up to the top. Yeah, she's much. trying to get the driver out of the car, out of the van. And like, it turns out the driver's dead. Like it was just this dead guy in the driver's seat. So then um, she's trying to get in on the other side and she recognizes that there's somebody sitting in the passenger seat that's like covered in like a black sheet and tied up. And she's like, oh my God, this has got to be like the missing woman that everyone's been talking about on the radio because like everybody knows that the killers are out and about and this lady had gone missing. So at that same time that she's trying to get into the van, that's when the cops show up and they're like, dude, get away from the van. Like, you know, you know, now it's like serious for them, right? And it's not fun and games anymore like it was. And I couldn't help but think They're the whole time. They're actually doing like, their jobs as a cop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I couldn't help but think the whole time, like, this is going to go bad for them because it, it, it reminds me of the movie Crash 
where like uh, I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's it's this 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 story uh, the newer one, and it's all told from different perspectives and like you know the cop had a bad interaction um, with um, the black couple. And then he has to end up saving them in the end, and like they don't want to be saved. Oh yeah, or whatever. no, I didn't really watch that one. Mm. I, I know which one, the one with Brendan Fraser and all that. <sighs> yeah, yeah, he was like the senator or whatever. Yeah. But like the same thing here, right? Like they just had a bad interaction with the cops, and now here the cops are to try to like save their lives. So I'm like, mm. reminds me of Crash, and I'm wondering how it's gonna go now that this is the case. But like. They're fucking dumbasses, man. They're trying to get into the van or whatever, and they both come around the back of the van to try to open the door. And I, French Stewart turns to Benny, and he's like, it's kind of cool, right? I was like, dude, now is not the time. <laughs> well, yeah, they finally got something that's not just pulling somebody over for speeding. Right, right, for it, right, right. So Bennett's trying, you know, they can't get into the back either, so Bennett is trying to, you know, Officer Bennett's trying to get in through the windshield so he takes out his baton and he's like trying to break the window and at the same time the driver's head turns somebody moved it from the back and then it blows up because somebody like shot a shotgun through the back of the chair blew his face off or his head off and then oh, that also, was awesome yeah, yeah and it also shattered the windshield so bennett just went like you know he fell in right he fell in but then when Bobby was telling the story to the cops in the interrogation room, they were like, so, so Bennett just like dove in and she was like, yeah, like minus one good hand. And they look at each other and they're like, awesome. I was like, mm, that's not really how it happened. And also like he's, you know, hurt in the other room and I don't, and you're, the other guy died. So like, not awesome. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, you know they're just seeing it from an action perspective you right know, again they don't see this this much uh action going on they're like oh yeah so what you happens know? is the girl the the person in the front seat ends up like going out the back of the van and when bennett opens the door to the back of the van he realizes that the person who was covered is not a victim it's a suspect so he starts like firing off shots and this is where he accidentally did he kill the mom and the and the son? I don't know. I don't remember how they died. Uh yeah, I do. Um, oh no. yeah. Okay. Oh no, no. I remember. I remember. Okay. Hold. All right. Hold on. Yeah, so I he fires off some shots, and then it turns out he actually shot French Stewart. So he killed well, his own was, partner by accident. But that was yeah. But that was undisclosed, right? Uh, yeah, he didn't say we were, it. He we weren't said, led to believe that. We were led to believe that it was the killers, right? Right. That that killed uh, killed him. Yeah, but he actually did that's it. important later on. So yeah, my bad. Spoiler alert. The end. There's much. There's much bigger spoilers yeah. he could have alerted you on. So it's fine. And then <laughs> we're, yeah, we're know, right. And so but then yeah, he, from the, actually from he this says he gets knocked on, out. Let's just say the word spoiler alert because it's. This is where you're going to hear a bunch of shit that you didn't see coming. And uh, I definitely, we, we both definitely think that whoever's listening to this, you, this is definitely a go-to watch, FYI. So we do label that spoiler alert. If you should go watch the movie before you listen to this podcast, please do. Please treat yourself. So he ends up getting knocked out. And then when he comes to, what's happening? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> <Sorry>. Motherfucker. 
Um, Sapanin. No, Sapanin. Uh, well, I, I don't recall. I, I remember Sherry O'Terry, she gets shot. And she even says something like, this is not a good day. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> having a good time. I'm not having a good time holding <laughs> her wounds and she dies. Uh, fuck, I don't even remember how the, the boy dies. Uh, in the end, it's only that girl and the little girl. Yes. and uh, So the, the mom and the brother chick. die. Um, and they they take they they take uh, cover in the cops' car. They they put themselves in the backseat of the cops' car. Um, the killers they are the same killers we recall from the beginning. They have those like spooky masks, the ones that you're talking about, right? And, Crazy enough, this is all happening in broad daylight. It's just it's not expected. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And this this whole thing just went like from calm to fucking chaos in like a matter of seconds. Everything just got crazy in this shit. Um I actually don't even recall how everyone got made it out, how they got back to the police station and all that. I don't remember any of that shit. I think the killers just left. Yeah, I think the killers did. Yeah, I think you're right. They just kind of uh, disappeared. Uh, uh, the little girl had taken notice to something too, uh, but that's something that we didn't even disclose a little bit earlier in the film that she realized. Um, well, that uh, part isn't made relevant until later. So, um, but, well, belated spoiler. That happened <laughs> earlier though. I don't remember seeing that when they showed it later towards the end. I was like, I don't remember seeing that originally, but okay. No, no, it was there. It was there. Uh, no. And because that was a, a, a basic point of that because, uh, all right. The little girl at some point, but when, when they're interviewing all the suspects, uh, she, she goes and sneaks over to the monitor room when the two FBI agents are talking to it amongst themselves after, uh, a, Agent Anderson is talking to her Let her go to the bathroom or whatever They're talking amongst themselves And stuff and the little girl's watching something On the monitor and we see What she's seeing is that There's uh, It seems like these uh, two FBI agents have a history together Of some sort I don't know what that History is or anything but they seem To have some kind of Relationship going on there's a little more Beyond the professional side Which actually starts to kind of um, answer some of the strange questions about him and stuff like that that you know we've we've had throughout the film. Um, uh, fast forward to past all that, uh, they they got back to the uh, to the police station and um, the little girl discloses something to Bill Pullman, right? She. Uh, you're you're kind of jumping ahead. Yeah. Um, well, hold on. Let me, let me just kind of put it. Um, so they leave, they're all done at the crime scene, you know, at the, at the whole thing that went down. So yeah, I guess, no, I guess that's appropriate. Cause now we cut to, uh, Billy and, um, yeah. officer Bennett and Stephanie are at the, um, police office or the police, uh, department now. And so kind of like, okay, that's everything that's happened. That, that was, what happened so now we're kind of right the story's been told now all three perspectives 
Right. So you're you're right. That's my bad. So um, they take a break. Stephanie sees what she sees. And then um, they kind of go back to finishing up the story, the, the line of questioning. But what happens is the administrative assistant, Janet, gets a phone call from somewhere uh, from the hotel. And you can hear her in the background because she's in the same room with um, with Bill Pullman. And she's like, what? Where? What happened? And she's like taking notes. She's like, okay, two body, three bodies, two male, one female. How did you find them? Blah, blah, blah. And like as she's like writing all this stuff down, Bill Pullman's just kind of sitting there like ear hustling. And, um, you know, she hangs up the phone and she, you know, tells them what happened. Like, you know, the, the hotel found these bodies or whatever. Um, and so Bill Pullman pulls Agent Anderson out. And it's kind of, you know, the officer's out. He's like, hey, we all need to kind of. Yeah meet in the they hallway have like their little briefing uh, yeah let's meet yeah, in the hallway and talk this out and here's what happened you know we got to go investigate these bodies because it seems like it's the killers <laughs> all over again so i'll stay here bill pullman says i'll stay here anderson you take the two officers and go and i'll mm. stay here with um the captain and the little girl and the druggie and they're like okay so that's cool and the officer with the busted hand that was with Prince yeah Steve. yeah right 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 so, None of the suspects were allowed to leave, essentially. Not suspects, yeah, cor- cor- people correct. involved. Yeah, yeah, the witnesses. So Anderson takes the two remaining officers, and she's in a car, and she's driving down. And one of the officers gets in the back of the car, and there's a box back there. So he moves the box to make way for him to sit, but he drops all the files and shit that were in the box. So as the, they're driving... He's like going through the files and he finds a bunch of Polaroids and he's looking through the Polaroids. Now, stop there for a second. Cut back to the police station. Bill Pullman's about to go in the room, one room with Billy and Officer Bennett and Stephanie and the captain. And all of them are in the room except for Stephanie, the little girl and um, and Bill Pullman. And that's where she's like, hey, before we go inside, I got to tell you something. He's like, okay. And he gets down to her level and she tells him a secret and he has this like shot. It's inaudible. They don't really really tell you what what she says. Yeah, you don't hear Uh, it. Yeah, there's nothing to hear. So don't put on on his face. The look on (laughs) his face. Don't put on your captions. You're not going to get anything. (laughs) The look on his face is like shocked, but not shocked, you know, kind of like, okay, weird. Kind of like you get that feeling like, holy shit, this girl may have just cracked the case. Like she may have just figured out who these killers were and, and everything that they were trying to find out. Right. I, I, that was like that, that was the vibe I was getting off that. Like, Oh shit. She just told him something that was like pretty much knocked this one out of the park. Right. Because we see him walk into that room minus her. I forgot where she was going to stay, but she's obviously not in that room, but he goes into the room where everybody's at. And he's excited and he's like, he's starting to show like, oh, all right. All right. You know, like, and you're like, oh man, he's really going to, I, I feel like he was going to like, like, like disclose some kind of corruption involved with the police officers and stuff like that. I, I that's, thought that's like, fair because there was a point where I thought Janet was in on it. Because yeah, just the way that she was like Michael questioning, Einstein hiding something, you Bill know? Pullman, and like just all up in his business, wouldn't leave the room. I was like, "This chick's in on it somehow." Yeah, there's something going on here, right? And he gets in there, 
And it's funny because the beginning of the movie, Michael Ironside took his attention. And he's all like, hey, I wanted to ask you something. Seems like it was important. He's like, you got a cigarette? He's all like, no. This is the point where he, Bill Pullman comes in. He's he, he's already excited to 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 let loose on this one. Well, on this hold case. on. Don't, don't, and, go, don't get there yet. Don't get right. there yet. Don't get there yet. All right. What so, am I missing? Then? So, no, you're not missing anything. I just want to I want to build up to it. So. Oh, OK. So they're in the room and. Bill Pullman starts to ask Officer Bennett about the shooting, right? Who actually shot? That's right. Uh, French Stewart. And he's like, hey, we're all here. Like, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit more. And he's like hesitant to do that. And tension is building. Then we cut back to the car where Anderson has the two cops in there. And, you know, they're talking, making small talk, bullshitting or whatever. But the officer in the back is like going through the pictures and he starts to notice that these are Polaroids of her and they're getting more kind of um, intimate as it's going. And she's like, you know, wearing skimpier clothes. And then if I remember correctly, like, you know, they get a little bit more morbid. And then I think there's a point where like they show it's a picture of her with like a dead body or whatever. And he's starting to put it together. He's like, the two of them, not just. Oh, that's right. Pictures. Bull Pullman yeah. was in it too, and there was a dead body. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, he's like, what the fuck is going on here? First, it just seemed like some strange, kinky sexual relationship, but then it's starting to get weird. Like you said, is there, there's like mangled bodies in the background or something, just something unknown. You're like, oh, okay, blood on the pictures, right? Right, right. And so that's when you're like, oh, so I think these guys are the killers and they're not actually FBI agents. Then cut back to the police department and that's where Bill Pullman is starting to like let his colors show. And he's like, he's like, no, you, he's like, you killed your partner. I saw you. I was there or something in that line. And he's like, this is how it actually went down. And this is where we realize, okay, both of them are actually the killers. They are not the FBI agents. So it's like total twist. And I will say, earlier in the show, I said there was 50% of me that believed that Bill Pullman was a bad actor because of the smirk. And like, I couldn't understand it. And, you know, I was like, <laughs> man, this kind of sucks. The other 50% of me was like, I think maybe they're in on it. I think maybe they might be the killers or at least he is or some something. There's some level of involvement with these two, but I didn't want to say it earlier because I didn't want to ruin the surprise that we're at now. So like, but here's the thing. So I felt 50, 50 in the beginning, but then the movie does such a good job of like putting that away that doubt it takes, it creates doubt in the beginning for me. It did. And then it it just lets it run its course. What you get so involved in the story that each of the witnesses are telling that you kind of forget that you had or I had doubt in my mind about who they were. And then it comes back up in the end and you're like, ah, I fucking knew it. I was thinking it earlier. I just never said it. Like I kind of had a feeling and and it was like it was good, like aha moment for me. I I enjoyed I enjoyed that reveal, if you will. It was it was done really yeah. well. Yeah, it was it was a very good reveal, and 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 that uh, r- right as it was announced, uh, I, there was an argument between um, 
the, the uh, Bennett, right? Uh, Bennett and 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 Officer Holloway or uh, Agent Holloway, well, no longer agent. We know that they're right. You know, involved. Um, like the first thing he says to to Bennett, right? He, he asks him for his gun. Right, he has to take away his weapon. Right. Uh, this was just this moment where the the reveal was about to happen. Uh, we had uh, I, well, I I know when I was watching it for the first time, I had originally figured, oh, there's something more to this guy. That's why he's taking his gun away. Um, I think he figured out that you know he. Oh, have that's more right. Than, yeah. To, yeah. To explain. He. So, uh, with confirmation of the chief, he gave him his gun, and um. So as he disarmed him, that's when he goes and starts uh, um, putting out his actual role there, right? We just see him go from the quiet guy to the real weird guy making strange sounds and like super giddy, almost like giddy, like a child, right? Like he's just like... Yeah, yeah, total switching character. And I was like, oh... (laughs) Now he's not a, a bad actor. Now he's a great actor because now it all makes sense now. And like this darker side of him totally fits the persona that I've been seeing for the last, you know, 50, 60 minutes or whatever. Or I think it was yeah. like an hour and 40. So like this is the last 10 minutes of the movie. So yeah, the last, you know, 90 minutes is all like led up to this and it makes more sense and it fits. I'm more comfortable with this and I'm pleasantly pleased with it. Yeah, pleasantly pleased. That sounds good. No, it's the same thing. Pleasant and pleased. Pleasant yeah, isn't well, pleased well, the I past mean, tense. Yeah, extra. Pleasant. It's a little extra, extra, you know. Pleased or pleased. Pleasant. Either way. That's what happened right. when you drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, is that going to be? Anderson ends up shooting both cops in the car. Kills them, right? Mm-hmm. Calls Pullman to let him know that it was done. He ends up killing everybody in the room the captain the the drug girl the officer no 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 he kills the captain captain. the captain's about to pull a gun on him when he realizes oh shit this is the guy um he tries to pull fast when he shoots the chief he shoots the the officer the girl's still alive the junkie chick is still alive if you don't recall because her I do know that, uh, yeah, yeah, that the rest of the guys in the room are, are dead. Uh, minus, like you said, the little girl. Uh, undisclosed, she's just not there anymore, right? They didn't really explain. Uh, we just assumed she ran off or whatever. Janet's no longer there. Well, they thought that she went to go visit her quote-unquote friend at the morgue. She has a relationship with some guy at the morgue. So that's how she was able to get, you know, certain piece uh key key evidence items for uh bill pullman's character but she actually really didn't do that we find out that her body's in the surveillance room with her head half cut off (laughs) she's very brutally murdered right uh very ugly looking death um uh julia or i'm sorry um uh detective anderson or anderson or elizabeth uh she uh she kills the two officers that were with her. Um, she actually makes out with that one dude's corpse. The one that, you know, was that I said earlier was kind of like the uh, little lap dog. You know, he was a 
teacher's pet. Like he's excited to be out with the FBI and he's, I can't wait to tell my mom. And, you know, he threw signs that, that he, he was kind of into her. So she kind of gave him a goodbye death kiss, I guess you could say mm. as any psychopathic woman would. Um, she gets back to the station. Um, and now that all that's left is the junkie girl and the couple, uh, the FBI agents now revealed as the murderers. Uh, the reason why I wanted to make sure you didn't just tap out on on the fact that that the junkie girl's uh, death is because that to me is still a very iconic death. Um, I remember rewatching this one. Uh, I, I want to say it was shortly a couple days before I brought it up to you that I wanted to put it on this podcast. Um, that that scene, that last scene with with her. It, it was one of those really dark moments. That it's just like, it is very unsettling to watch. There's nothing extreme about it, but you got the, you got the female or the, the, the female killer sitting on top of the junkie, junkie girl in her chair. She's tied up or she's handcuffed or whatever. Um, and she starts coming onto her, so there's a possible a lesbian thing going on. Oh, that's uh, right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, she's like and, grinding herself it's, on it's her like leg. Some kind of strange, like a lap like psychotic tease that she's doing to this lady. And at the same time, they pull off Bill Pullman's belt, and she's like, kind of like shimmying the belt up over her chest and stuff in kind of a sexual way, but it slowly gets to her neck. And then Bill Pullman grabs it from behind and they just start strangling her. And it's just that last scene, her taking her last dying breaths. And you're yes. just like, good God. And like, she like, sucks it out of her mouth. Remember? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually watching it right now on my phone. So they, they are strangling her with the bell. And then as she takes her last breath, Agent Anderson, like it, it looks like it's, she's kissing her, but actually like sucks it out of her. And then, when she's dead, her and Bill Pullman kiss and like she passes it over to him and then he exhales it like it's a like a shotgun hit from a joint or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I was like, dude, okay, so uh the influences that I saw in this movie and I don't know, the time Oh well, well, let's let's get to the very last thing. Okay. The very last thing. Let's end this one off. Because there was that, that very last bit. So they left the police station. The two killers get away. It's one of those movies where the killers got away. I, In a way, justifiably, I'd say they earned it. I mean, come on. They were able to juke everyone. The police station, they got everyone. They're driving away, and the last thing that we see is the little girl, Stephanie, walking amongst the fields far away right right um off the highway and to to uh uh elizabeth's surprise the female killer's surprise he let her live now we all thought yeah, he probably just killed her or something maybe it was one of those things yeah, we don't want to show a child's death but no he actually let her survive right and uh she had taken notice of that she's like you know she she's all like you you let you let her live and he he looks at her he says she figured everything out right yeah so this and, is where this is where they make the connection right so we find out uh -huh. what she had whispered to him 
in his ear, which was, I know who you are. And the reason she knows who they are is because um, in the scene, you know, in the in the incident where they're killing everybody on the side of the road, she sees them kind of like brush their hands against each other. In like a very handsy, way. like like a, yeah. like a loving couple would be. Right. And then she saw them do that exact same thing on the video mm-hmm. cameras when they were in one of the interrogation rooms and she had pretended to go to the bathroom and she was actually in there and she saw them doing the same kind of thing with the hand. So she was like, oh, I, I know who these people are. They are the killers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So she put it together. Um in his eyes that earned her some kind of respect where you just like, eh, well, I I'll think, I think he liked the idea of like being chased because there was that scene where Janet was talking to him about the coroner's report and he was like snooping. He was like, well, did the coroner say like, you know, what kind of labs they're running and what they're looking at? And she was like, Oh yeah. Like they pull all kinds of like hairs and fibers. Like they left a bunch of that stuff. And she was like, you, you know, like why would they like, you would think that they'd be better than that. Like, why would you leave all that stuff around? And Bill Pullman's like, um, it just means that, uh, they're going to get better over time. You know, like so, the more you do it, something about improving. Yeah. Like, they're, they're just, they're bound to improve. Like, you know, maybe they fucked up now, but like, they're going to get better later. Right. Obviously I, talking about, I like, themselves. I like his end statement there too. But then she was leaving the room like, Oh my God, these people. And she, and then he was like, or maybe or, they just don't give a fuck. They just don't give a shit. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and that made her more uncomfortable. And you're like, damn, that's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she had the shake. She's like, oh my God. So, and so, you know what? That was perfect. That was the perfect line, too. When you go back and look at that, you're like, God, these people are those kind of people, right? Yeah. They, they don't, they don't seem like very methodical. They just seem like, killed to be killed or to be killers uh, it's just like they, they, they it's it's fun for them the the hunt so i watched i watched this movie um two nights ago and then i uh-huh. gave it some rewatch today like during my lunch at work and and a little bit you know to, tonight so the fact that you that i rewatched it kind of you know back to back like that on the rewatch you're like oh yeah i see all these telltale signs of like how they are totally the killers, you know, the, the smirks, the, the, you know, the way that mm-hmm. he gets giddy when like they're talking about some of the, the bloody scenes and shit. And you're just like, yeah, duh. It's like right in front of you. Like the, you know, he's totally like getting his rocks off on like hearing about how good of a job he was as a killer, you know? So in the end where they let her go, I think it was more so like he likes the idea of being on his toes. Like, there's people out there who know who we are and where what we look like, and I dare them to come and find us. I dare them to come and try to stop us because he didn't give a shit about the corner thing, and he didn't give a shit about knowing that there's a little girl out there who knows what they look like and 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 who they are. True. So that's the impression. And then there's that also that subtle that that subtle uh, a little subtle thing that I also believe in a way uh, it was. I, I don't want to say that, that there was any kind of good side to these people, but I wanted to, wanted to say that I, I think a little bit had to do with uh, he wanted to show a merciful side toward the, the little girl for his girlfriend. Right. Yeah. 
Like, because there was, remember, like we said at the beginning, there was something about her knowing there's a little girl there that was traumatic to her. So there had to be something about a little girl in the past or something like that. So it was almost as if it was like his gift to her. Just right. for a split second, I think that's kind of, that. well, that's what I gathered. We will never know. They don't really talk about what happened in the past or anything, which I kind of like about this. Um, it kind of leaves a bunch of open doorways right yeah so so i don't know i mm-hmm. i left the movie feeling like i got i got notes of like tarantino right because the movie's told from different perspectives um you get different stories um i got notes of bonnie and clyde uh, maybe more so like um natural born killers um yeah, no, just, just good stuff. I, I right? think it all falls under, yeah, it falls under that that category there because there's that age old tale where uh, a bunch of people. I forgot. I, there's there's like an old Japanese film about it. I, I forgot what it's called. It's even in black and white, but it's like one of those like uh, groundbreaking films. It's 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 just a groundbreaking story. But it's like an age old story of when you have a bunch of witnesses around witnessing a crime, the story's going to alter depending on how many people saw it from which perspective and stuff. And I think that's what is being told here in, in this story. Is, oh, is I know what you're talking about. You're talking about, um, I believe it's uh, Rashomon, which is directed by um, Akira Kurosara. Kura, ugh, Akira Kurosara. Yeah, who but I mean, it, Seven it, it tells that tale, you know. Yeah, it's a tale. story of like a a woman. I think, fuck, it has been forever since I seen that movie. I think like this woman got like accosted in the woods, and there's witnesses and people that helped her. So like it's, you know, kind of like a trial, and everybody's telling their stories from different angles. Which, which again, yeah. like I said, um, is kind of reminiscent of Crash to me because it's the story of all these people coming together, but all their individual stories kind of leading up to all of them coming together. Right. It's not a formula we haven't heard of before. It's just a, it's just another movie that follows that. that yeah. And it's done really formula. well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad we were able to, to get this one because uh, I, I believe it, it deserves the recognition. Um, very well-placed movie. Uh, anybody who goes and watches this movie, I can guarantee you won't, see a hint of disappointment in it um it's just uh, it won't disappoint you yeah it, just won't. it was good stuff yeah definitely a good movie i love this movie i will always love this movie not even a huge fan of jennifer lynch i you know i, I love david lynch but i've never seen anything else of jennifer lynch's uh I there's ha- a, there's I a couple other things that David her... might have had some kind of hand in this because he was the producer on it. And fun fact, the song that plays at the end when the credits are rolling, he wrote and sang it. Yeah, I think I, I think I think that was noted in the uh, in the credits. But yeah, he's um, executive producer on it. So, but it's funny. I mean, you can we can talk about it for a second, but. She had done a movie before this, and I think there was like an eight-year gap in her making the movies. And um, her first movie that she made was like it got trashed. Like it, she got very poor reception on it, which I think like deterred her from wanting to make anything else. Which is why there's such a large gap between the two. And then she came out with this one, and then there was a third one. 
Oh, there was a third one where she like didn't even really do anything for her to consider that this was her film, but because she had worked on it for like a minute, they had like, you know, the movie company had like, you know, was like, Oh, this is a Jennifer Lynch movie. And that movie fucking bombed. So she actually disowned that movie. She's like, I have nothing to do with that movie. She's like, I came in, I shot like a couple shots and that's it. I didn't have anything to do with the editing, with the grading, with the sound, like nothing. She's like, I just shot like a couple scenes and then I was out of the project and then they like put my name all over it and it fucking tanked. So she's like, please don't associate me with that movie. Yeah. But she's done a lot of like television. Um, she's done, she's done like a lot of like TV work. Um, and a lot of stuff that um, I think most people have seen. So I think she's more recognized for what she does on TV than like her movies. No, well, either way, uh, she did a good movie here. Uh, so she directed. Thank you, Jennifer um, Lynch. I think like half of the uh, Dahmer series on Netflix. Okay. Um, she was uh, also the director for The Watcher. I don't know if you saw that on Netflix. That one was really good too, about the house. Yeah, no, I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. Uh, American Horror Story. Uh, she directed an episode of Daredevil. So, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hawaii Five-O, Jessica Jones. So, she, yeah, a lot of lot of TV shit, so. All right. Well, thank you for bringing us surveillance. That was no, a good watch. No, thank you. That was your, your pick. Good one. No, man. I was saying thank her, but yeah. Oh, thank I gotcha. you for I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for for watching this with me, and I'm, I'm glad we can actually have this discussion. I'm very glad that uh, we're able to 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 nip that uh, that name tag thing in the bud a little bit. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Because yeah. you can't label you can't label. Yeah. Well, a movie can't be confounds movie, the labels, right? man. In real life and in movies, music, art is art. Everybody can interpret it however they want. Don't listen yes. to what other people, when they put labels on it, just enjoy what you enjoy. View it for what it is. Yeah, man. And that was an amazing movie and amazing watch. Yeah, good pick, dude. All right, man. Till next time. All right. Rune City Or, we out. We're Later. Out. Peace.